maximize your sense of aliveness, gain new perspectives on health, your body, and the meaning of life. You can control your physiology and how you feel in your body in this moment. Your life will never be the same. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. The science and the understanding of fasting and the that in brief is the understanding that when we don't put anything in almost or we put minimal amounts in, all of a sudden the body gets to heal. It sends energy rather than to digestion to the cells, to cleanse, of course, and to balance out any imbalances that there are in the body. And so tonight we'll be talking a little bit about imbalances. It's not something I often do. We'll be talking a little bit about disease. Yeah. And I tend to focus on health in these lectures and in my practice because I find that there's simply not enough of that. And I'm very, very fired up about tonight's lecture. I'm very excited. In fact, this afternoon I met, I met a friend and um, I gave him one of my cards which I passed out to all of you. And you'll see it says Dr. Andrea Page. And I'm a naturopathic doctor, a natural medicine doctor. Have you heard of a naturopathic doctor before? Some of you, yeah? When we see the word doctor, we tend to assume usually one thing, Western medical doctor. Yeah. And uh, that's really what I try to hold the space for people to think critically about. Because a lot of the work I do in helping people in, be empowered to take your health back into your own hands, it means taking it away from the doctor, from the medical institution that we've literally given our health away to, completely surrendered any self-responsibility or self-awareness or knowledge, or at least doubted the self-awareness or knowledge that we do innately have and disempowered ourselves by giving it to the doctor. I mean, have you ever come home from the doctor and someone said, what did the doc say? Right, all excited, as if you, who's lived in your body for 20, 30, 40, 50 odd years, have no clue what's going on in your body? You do, you do. And so a lot of my time in teaching as well as one-on-one -on -one with clients is simply awakening to the signals that our body's always sending us. So we can get a deeper understanding and a deeper connection in order to interpret and better respond to make different choices based upon what our body wants. And I'm not saying like, ooh, my period's coming, I want some chocolate. That's not, that's not the kind of desire that I'm talking about. Yeah. It's noticing when your body works, when it's healthy. And some markers of health are things like hydration, proper hydration. We're meant to be drinking three liters of water a day because that's how much the human body uses and loses simply by waking up in the morning. Who in this room drinks three liters of water a day every day? Great, we have about 3%. <laughs> yeah, and that's normal. Modern humans are so chronically dehydrated. It's not only about the water we're taking in, it's also about the water that's taken from us. And these are discussions we can have deeper. It's not what we're going to be talking about tonight. But just for example, it's one of the foundations of health hydration that we simply ignore. Another one, elimination. I spend a lot of my time also talking about poo. I'm a career colon hydrotherapist, and I'm director of the colonics clinic here at the Yoga Barn. And so poo is a big part of my job, and it's a big part of seeing truth, because when you can see what's coming out, right, then you have a much deeper understanding about how you 
what you put in, how it had an effect in the body, and how that worked or how it didn't, is evidenced by what comes out. So we learn a lot from poop down in the colonics clinic. Everyone say hi. This is Michael, our senior colon hydrotherapist. He's amazing. Try to book an appointment with him if you can. They're selling out really fast. So I don't know if you'll be able to get one. But anyway, try. Race to the door after the session. Happens sometimes. From there, we are going to see that actually we're not only not drinking enough, but because we're not drinking enough, we're not pooping enough. And in terms of elimination, who knows how frequently a working, healthy human body will defecate per day? Shout it out. Yeah, I heard it back there from someone. Once per meal, yeah, per day. She's like, no, <laughs> no, three, I said three. <laughs> Once per meal per day. So if you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that eats, equals your three. Yeah, Once per meal per day, that's how often we're supposed to be moving our bowels. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Something goes in, something goes out, just like babies, just like dogs, just like any machine. Something goes in, something comes out. If you're putting stuff in and nothing comes out, then what do you have? Problems. <laughs> yeah? I have a whole lecture on congestion that you can go listen to. That wasn't a very good lecture. And I have to change, I'll be really intentional about the title of my lectures because it tends to affect the energy of the room. Like when I gave that lecture on congestion, it was already a year ago. It was the worst audience I'd ever had, right? The audience was congested. So I said we're going to be talking about disease. So instead, what should we, what should we call this one? Have any ideas? Health empowerment. There's something really happy so that you guys are happy. Right, I'm here for you, huh? All right, good. Glad we got that under control. So from there, other foundations of health, things like proper sleep. I mean, this sounds so silly, but getting enough sleep, going to sleep early enough, waking up naturally without an alarm, these are things integral to health of your nervous system. And that's something you can't deny because the nervous system tends to govern most of your experiences throughout the day. Has anyone ever been aware of when you're anxious? Is your jaw clenched right now? Are you on an inhale or an exhale? These are things that we're to be knowing at every moment because they allow us to have greater control over the governing of our physiological systems. So, from there, the fourth foundation of health is respiration. Take a deep breath with me, ready? Long, slow, expansive breath. I'm giving you homework during the class. Every other breath that you breathe for the next 40 minutes, have it be like that. See how you feel at the end of class. Don't worry, most of you will forget. It's okay, I love you still. But that's how we're supposed to be breathing. If you've ever watched a baby breathe, yeah. But because of that nervous system issue that we talked about before, we're all running around in flight or fight sympathetic nervous system in the 21st century world. It's all about survival and competition and making sure you're good enough and comparing yourself to others and being fearful that you're just not going to make it because we have no means anymore. We don't work the earth. We don't know how to feed ourselves aside from money. That's a pretty big problem. Isn't that crazy? We don't know how to feed ourselves aside from buying food. 
So if you haven't checked out gardening, allow that to be on your bucket list of lifelong goals. To start to put your hands in the soil, proven antidepressant. These are simple ways to make this human lifetime that much more meaningful. So respiration is not only about the breath, but also at the cellular level, we have an exchange. Just like you're eating and pooping all the time, every day, hopefully. Your cells also are eating and pooping all the time, every day. And the way to make your cellular respiration much more efficient is definitely hydration, definitely elimination, giving it a way to go out, definitely enough time, so sleep. We have all of the other foundations of health. And then the fourth one, that exchange, the respiration of the cell requires chlorophyll, requires plant blood to clean your blood. These two things, hemin, the color in human blood, and chlorophyll, are nearly identical in their molecular structure. And because of that closeness, when they come into contact, they shift places, they exchange, they build one another. And so it builds your blood and detoxifies your blood at the same time when you have green in your diet. And so I always tell people to look around. What color do you see? Probably should have asked you that before. You don't see purple. <laughs> you see green. This is the number one thing missing from the human diet today, and it's so important to bring that back. So maybe lunch, dinner, make half of your plate green at least. Whatever you're eating, by volume, half of your plate green. See what that does to change your life. All right, so I kind of got on a tangent at the beginning. We haven't even started the lecture. Welcome. I normally start these lectures with talking a little bit about uh, my background because I find it really crucial that someone who can speak publicly for a certain amount of time probably has some opinions. And I'm no exception to that. And so I choose to expose my opinions to you up front rather than hide them. And so my biases come very much from natural medicine. I am a natural hygienist in practice. And this is the understanding that the body can and will heal itself. It simply has to be given the space and time to do so. Yeah. Moreover, fasting is the backbone of natural hygiene. And it's through my fasting life that I understand everything else about my life. Because when we fast, things normally come into balance. And the more and the more that I work, and the more and the more that I live, I find that balance and health are 100% synonymous. They're the same exact thing. All right. So as for my other biases, I already told you the bias toward the large intestine and elimination. That's a pretty big one. Bias toward poop. I also have a master's of science in something called ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and plants. My specialty in that is gastroethnobotany, the study of the relationship between people and food plants. So we do have quite a strong emphasis on plants, and that's really the only dietary advice that I tend to give is eat more fruits and vegetables. Whatever you think more is, three times that. From there, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my, my doctorate in naturopathic medicine because I, I gave you a cliffhanger before. Remember, I was meeting with my friend this afternoon. I gave him one of my cards, and he said, Doctor, you're a doctor? Right? 
because it's not like I walk around in scrubs with a stethoscope around my neck, right? And so I said, yes. And he said, yeah, but you're not a doctor, right? Like this kind of thing. It's, it's the same exact conversation. And I said, actually, I'm a doctor of naturopathic medicine, yeah? Do you know actually what the root of the word doctor is? Yeah. It comes from Latin, through French to English. Docere, to teach. The root of the word doctor is a teacher. And by all means, I'm a teacher. I can't deny that. It was built into every cell in my body. Yeah. And so what we find is that actually, what is the real doctor, a medical doctor? He's a pharmacist today. Maybe he's a surgeon or a butcher, we could say. That's someone who wields a knife, right? Yeah. And so does he teach? I don't know. Have any of you ever been to a doctor and felt like you really learned something? And I'm really open to you saying yes. Sometimes you're not sure. This is the answer that I would kind of expect or normally get. You're not sure if you learned something or not because you felt like you were trusting him. Yeah? And please don't, don't reproduce that relationship here. Please don't trust me. Not that I'm not trustable. But don't trust me because with anything I say, I really ask you not to believe me. Don't just believe me because that's not using the critical thinking that we agreed that we were going to use tonight. Don't believe me. Verify me. Go out and do your own experiments. My greatest desire is to be a guide in the parameters of those experiments. So you figure out what are true signals. What are true things? Is your body saying, oh, I got my period, I want some chocolate? Or, right, are you wanting more hydration? Or are you wanting more calories? What is the true desire from your body? What is your body really saying? And so I am recording the lecture tonight. I do record most all of my lectures. And then I put them up for free on my website for people like you guys who don't live in Bali. So you're here once, but you want to you keep in touch. You want to stay in tune. And so I have a whole podcast series for free, downloadable on my website. You can check that out from the little cards that I gave you. And um, many different podcasts on there about things that I'll probably be mentioning tonight. And so I'll suggest that you just go and listen to that whole hour in and of itself so I can stop going on tangents. <laughs> so my friend said, you're not a doctor. Come on. And I said, actually, in the root of everything I do in empowering people to take their health back into their own hands, in teaching the lessons of the body, in interpreting these messages that our body's always sending us, I am a doctor. I am so much a doctor. What is modern naturopathy? It's non-interventive medicine. So it's non-pharmaceutical and it's non-surgical. It's everything that the modern doctor is not. It looks at the whole of your being. If there's a problem with your knee that just won't go away no matter what, maybe it has a little bit to do with something happening in your psychosomatic sphere. The knees represent humility, the ability to be humble. And so whenever my knee randomly hurts, the first thing that I ask myself is, how am I not being humble in this moment? And taking medicine to a much more integral, deeper, and whole level would benefit the entire world. And I think that's something that Western doctors would also agree with. Yeah. All right. 
So we will be spending some time tonight talking about medicine and pharmaceuticals. Were any of you here last week? We had a special guest last week, and he talked a little bit about the pharmaceutical industry. Um, among some of the things he said was that most all pharmaceuticals are damaging to your health. And that's, that's a pretty awesome statement. I would agree to some extent with that. And this isn't to say that allopathic medicine or Western medicine is useless, because what it does is it deals really well with acute conditions. An acute condition is an emergency case. It's when your head is cracked open and you're bleeding and there's a risk that you could die. You better bet that that Western medicine doctor who's going to immediately administer you to the emergency room, put you on a number of medications, among them things like anti-inflammatories, antibiotics, and numbing agents definitely for that side of your body. That that will help in some way, that you will likely leave the hospital even that same evening and be able to go back home. The amazing feats that we've accomplished with Western medicine, especially surgical medicine, are not to be spoken down about, right? because that's amazing. A hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, sorry, you cracked your head open, you'll likely die. <laughs> right? That's your karma. That's your fate in this lifetime. Right? But now we deal, we play a little bit with our fate, because we can extend lives. And so one of the most important questions that people are asking today is the quality. It's about the quality of life. Is it just longevity? Is it just more years? Or is there more life in your years? Do you see that? You can live to your 106, sure. But we were on life support for the last seven years of those 106 years. You see? And so the quality of life is something that I'm really interested in because my, my deepest mission mission of all is to help people raise the bar on health. Whereas we're no longer defining health as merely living without disease. Have you heard of that? Think about it. If I asked you to define health or if you said I'm healthy, are you saying you're healthy because you're not sick? Are you saying you're healthy because you haven't been diagnosed with some chronic, perhaps fatal disease? Or are you actually healthy? Because I really want to raise that bar where it's just not enough, but it's more. Where health is living with maximum vitality. Waking up every morning, feeling like you did when you were six or seven years old. Ready to take the world by storm. What can we create today? How can I live my fullest today? How can I embody joy and love today? And that's through my work, that's through what I eat, that's through my relationships. Because that's health. Does that sound good to everyone? I hope so. If it doesn't sound good to someone, we can negotiate a contract <laughs> on what health is. But my, my mission is really to allow people to understand that there is a capacity for more. Right? That you can have more to life. And perhaps, for whatever reason, if you were born and brought to Bali and put in front of me at this lecture, that perhaps you're someone who will have more to life and more to health. Yeah? Because that's really exciting. Have you ever seen someone who hasn't eaten in 14 days act like me? Have you ever seen someone who hasn't eaten in 14 days? 
All right. So anyway, from there, once we start to rediscover health and vitality, and we do do this often by fasting, yeah? I had the best, one of the best yoga practices of my entire life this morning, yeah? On day 14 of a fast. Because I'm discovering, I'm opening. I've stopped all of the putting in and the blocking. Right? And I'm allowing things to come. Yeah? And those things might come in the form of putting my foot behind my head, you know, grabbing my ankles in a back bend, something like that. And we find that the body is already healthy. That it's nothing that you need to take. It's nothing that you need to do or change. And this is where we come back to the satsang, to the truth. It's simply something that you've put in, you've put over, you've put on top of, you've clogged, you've backed up. And it's that, that once it's moved and removed, the health that's already inside of you will shine. And so this is what we do here at the Yoga Barn in our three and seven day fasting programs. Is we allow people to uncover, to take off a few layers, right? both spiritually, psychosomatically, as well as physically. And then they start to discover what's under. And I'll tell you, it's often, if not always, more beautiful than you could ever imagine. Hmm? And so in that, Trusting that you don't actually need anything. You don't need anything. And that's the exact opposite message that I know each and every one of you are getting. <laughs> From big billboards saying, buy this product, you'll be sexy and cool. Right? Or take this drug and you can feel like this pretty girl on the commercial. Right? Or do this or buy that or get this job so that you can have that car or whatever it is. We have a very, very false or artificial sense of need in this modern world. And fasting allows us to take a step back from that and strip away and start to assess what it is that we actually really need. Because guess what, guys? It's not food <laughs> for however long. And so if you're interested more in fasting, please do listen. I have at least one, if not three, lectures on fasting on my podcast. I have do-it-yourself fasting lectures where I tell you exactly how to go through it so you can empower yourself to start to tap back into this internal vitality, this internal health that's already there. In yoga, we call it prana, life force energy. So, in talking about imbalances in the body, in talking about disease, which I want to break that word down to, kind of like doctor, I'm a renegade linguist. Dis-ease. Dis-ease. Have you ever thought about it like that before? Dis means not or un. It's a prefix. Ease means easy. Things are good, working well, easy. So dis-ease means things are not working well. And so what is the antidote to dis-ease? Ease, exactly. So I always say this in my yoga classes, and I kind of giggle to myself because I don't know if people get it. But I say, life can be easy. <laughs> right? 
You can be healthy. We just have to stop all that stuff that's on top and uncover and come back to the health. Right? In application of this in the body, we'll be talking about certain imbalances for the rest of the lecture tonight. A few special requests to ask a little bit about thyroid conditions and thyroid issues. And I talked about this, if any, any of you were here, I think three weeks ago, we did a sweet little, it was an all women's class. We had a circle session and we talked about some common women's issues of today. Maybe you can come back, unless you're a man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Men are welcome in the women's issues lecture as well. But we find that thyroid disease is skyrocketing today in a level unforeseen. I spent some time earlier this spring in Istanbul, Turkey. You guys know the country, big country, Turkey? It's an incredible country. It's right there between Europe and Asia. It's very strategically placed, and yet they're quite understated, I would say, as a people, because it's an amazing culture. However, Turkish women today are leading worldwide in number of thyroidectomies. What's a thyroidectomy? Ectomy. Medical language means something's been removed. Thyroid. Thyroid is the gland right here at the throat. Thyroid removal. But you say, wait, don't you need your thyroid? Yes, by all means you do. And so what replaces their thyroid? Great question. Not a little heart tattoo, maybe. Usually medication. Medication. And so any kind of thyroid condition is a condition of the endocrine system. We're going to do a little physiology lesson. I intentionally try to keep these lectures as layman as possible, as simple terms as possible, so that you understand what's being spoken of. Because if I speak here in medical terms and I'm way over your head, no one benefits from that. So if, if you lose me or if you don't understand anything at any time, please just say, what the f are you talking about? All right? And on that note also, I'll save questions for the last 10 minutes or so. So when talking about thyroid conditions in general, whether it's an overactive thyroid or underactive thyroid, this is a greater part, this is a part of a greater network in your body. And so that network is the endocrine system. And the endocrine system is one of your physiological systems, just like your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your reproductive system. We have all of these different systems. The digestive system, which I spend a lot of time talking about. All right. Well, the endocrine system is also known as your glandular system. There is a collection of glands or tissues that just secrete certain hormones. And so these glands or organs secrete certain hormones. Your pancreas is actually part of the endocrine system, as is your thyroid, the pineal gland, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland. You've probably heard of these in science class. Each one deals with a specific regulation in your body. Who knows what the thyroid deals with? Yeah. Okay, to some extent, growth. Your pituitary gland kind of holds rein on growth. But the thyroid gland mostly deals with metabolism. It deals with how we break down, how we interpret, how we decode, and how we defile what it is that we've put in. Right? So people tend to think of thyroid and like weight gain, or metabolism and weight gain. And I have a very, let's say, non-conventional view on metabolism. I 
have a whole lecture on that on the podcast series. You can check it out. I'm not sure if it's posted yet, but I'll post it within the next month. But in general, this idea of regulation of how we break down what we put in, that's the thyroid's job. The parathyroid's also there to help out. And thyroxine is one of the hormones or chemicals that's secreted into the blood via this gland. Now, sometimes there's too much secreted. That's called hyperthyroidism. Sometimes there's too little secreted. That's a kind of hypothyroidism. All right, again, Latin prefixes, hyper means more. You can think of like an energizer bunny or me, hyper. Hypo is slow, lethargic, dense, yeah. And so with this, we find that any kind of imbalance is not just the thyroid. That's the thing with Western medicine. If you have a problem in your nose, they only look at your nose. When you come to more holistic medicines, like Chinese medicine, for example, you might come in with a problem in your nose, and the doctor will start looking at your toes. And you said, no, I said nose, not toes. Didn't you hear me? Are your ears okay? And the doctor says, yes, I know. I, I heard you were talking about your nose. But see, the thing is, we have a meridian that runs right here. The stomach meridian runs straight down the body, goes straight to your second toe. And so maybe that sinus condition has something to do with an organ or at least an energy flow in the body. And so by palpating the end of that meridian, I can recharge the flow of chi, which, mind you, is the same thing as prana, the same thing as vitality, the same thing as health, can flow more freely. Yeah. And so with that, we have holistic medicine. And so taking that approach and saying, all right, the thyroid. If it's not working, do you think the problem is a malfunction in the thyroid? Come on, give me an answer. These are interactive. Yeah, you guys are like, maybe, I don't know, no, yes, I got every answer under the sun. Someone looked the other way, that was an answer. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, the thyroid doesn't have a brain. You have a brain. <laughs> and your brain, and specific governing parts of your brain, Tell every other part of your body what to do. Hmm? And so in the endocrine system, this same physiological system, the hypothalamus, right there, the back of your brain, it's kind of like the governor. It is the, the commander-in-chief. And it's also the connector into the nervous system. And so dependent upon nervous system stimuli, the governor-in-chief, the commander, the hypothalamus, will tell all of the other endocrine glands what to do. Yeah. Work, don't work. Work too hard, don't work too hard. And so we start to trace back then. It's like we're forensic scientists for the body. I have a new tagline. I love it. Forensic scientists in the body. We find that it's not actually the thyroid who killed the show. But maybe there's something going on with the hypothalamus. And we say, all right, well, is it the actual hypothalamus or is it the input that the hypothalamus is getting? Perhaps it could be the input that the hypothalamus is getting. We said already, the hypothalamus is the connector between the nervous system. We're doing review. This is how you guys learn. 
cumulative and repetition, yeah. That's the connector into the nervous system. And the nervous system, specifically the autonomic nervous system, has two main areas. You've probably heard about them. I try to talk about them as well when I teach yoga classes. They are the sympathetic nervous system, the flight or fight, and the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest relaxation response. Symbols. All right. So with these, it's a little bit like an on-off switch. Either one is more active or the other. And whichever one is active will govern every other physiological functioning in your body. From your urine to your poo, to your breath, to your ejaculation, to your digestion, to your ability to secrete thyroxin the thyroid gland. And so we see that all of these thyroid problems that are skyrocketing today and they hit girls in their 20s and 30s, probably more, especially 20s, more than any other group besides middle-aged women. We'll say it's going earlier and earlier today than ever before. I should have pulled up some data before this lecture. I can do that and post it on my Facebook page if you guys want to look tomorrow. But you'll find that the cause is not a broken thyroid. There's no need to take out the thyroid. It's not broken. You're not broken. It's merely being sent that message from the hypothalamus to either overact or underact because of the input that it's receiving from the nervous system. And so, between flight or fight or rest and digest, which one do you choose? Choose one from my hand, right hand or left hand? What do you want? Both? Someone said both? I want it all. <laughs> yeah, you do need both. I'll give you that. But what sounds good right now? Having to run a marathon and run from a lion? Or resting and taking a nap and maybe getting a massage? <laughs> and both sound good, right? Yeah, a lion's pretty cool. But definitely resting, getting a massage, taking a nap. Because the thing is, in the world of today, as I alluded to at the very beginning, we are so overly stimulated in the sympathetic nervous system, in the flight or fight response. We are stressed. Can I have a hallelujah? Hallelujah. No? Okay. Michael? No? <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's my, my backup whenever everything else fails. So, yeah, we're stressed. We're stressed, more stressed than we've ever been before. Even when we didn't have a home and we as a human species were going around the earth as foragers, walking, constantly moving, we were much less stressed than we are today. Even when we faced life-threatening situations like that lion, still our day-to-day -day life was much less stressed than it is today in the 21st century world. Even 100 years ago, life somehow was less stressful than it is today. And stress doesn't have to be the fact that your mother-in-law is a pain in the ass or that your boss is about to fire you or that you don't have enough money to pay your rent or you can't feed your kids. It doesn't have to be stress like that. Stress can also be walking out on the street and having and traffic flying by, right? All of these things and these lights and these signals sent at you, that's stress. It's that simple. The fact that we are surrounded by more wireless networks 
than we can probably count. That is stress to your body on a physiological level. So I think we can agree. I think that anyone can agree, even an allopathic doctor can agree that we are more stressed today than ever before. And because of that, the hypothalamus is sending out these mixed signals, let's say, to every other gland in the body. And so, what is the antidote? Someone say yoga, someone say yoga, say yoga, yoga, yoga. Yoga, yes, yoga! <laughs> exactly, that is the antidote. That is one of the many antidotes. I find it to be one of the more effective antidotes. Because whatever style it is, if it's yoga nidra or restorative, if it's yin yoga, it allows your nervous system to calm if you let go. If you let go. Let go. Let go. We used to have a sign hanging up in the colonics clinic by Herman Hess, actually, the author of Siddhartha. And the sign said, sometimes we think it's holding on that makes us strong, when actually it's letting go. And this brings us right back to the digestive system. It brings us right back to pooping. The large intestine is all about letting go. What are we holding in? What are we trying to control? What are we not letting go of? Or can we just be and be free and be happy? Yeah. All right. So in this letting go, that is the switch over into the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest, the relaxation response. That's why you feel that yogic bliss after Shavasana. This rest, this deep healing on the level of nervous system, that's what's going to heal your thyroid, not the medication. In fact, thyroid medication, which is prescribed very frequently, without hesitation almost, by many Western medicine doctors, you're told when you're given it, you're going to have to take this your entire life. <laughs> I don't know any doctor that speaks like that, but it was fun. Yeah? You're going to have to take that your entire life. What? I thought a medication was to make me feel better, and then I get to go on afterwards and stop taking it. No. Because what's happening when there's an imbalance in your body? So if that's too much secretion or too little secretion, we'll take hypothyroidism, for example is that you are simply not secreting enough of this hormone. And so instead of stimulating your body to secrete more, you're given a medication. That medication acts like a fake hormone that will then fill in the gap to make that imbalance look artificially balanced. So on the surface level, some of your symptoms will go away. Right? You'll feel better temporarily, but long term, down the road, who knows what happens? We don't know yet because we simply haven't prescribed this medication for enough years yet. I'll be very, very interested to have a reunion in 20 years. Everyone up for it? <coughs> Come back here 20 years from now. What is it? The 14th of June. What will be the, what will be the year? Who does math? Yeah? 2036. 
14th of June, 13th of June, 2036. Are you on? Yeah? Bali? Bali, 20-year reunion! Woo! Help Satsang! And let's look at the studies then. Let's see the studies like we're seeing now from birth control. Women on birth control have a higher rate of developing breast cancer later in life when they've been on birth control for several years. Finally, those studies are starting to come out. We simply do not know the long-term effect of the medications that we take every single day. I can tell you the short-term effect. Medications are incredibly acidic. Thereby, they're going to leach calcium from your bones, making you weaker. Medications are incredibly dehydrating because they are a slight poison to the body. So they will wash out that fluid that we already talked about, the fact that you're low on. <laughs> Water. Okay. Medications are definitely addictive. They are tricksters. They are chemical signals to your body telling your body lies. And that doesn't mean they're all bad. I'm just being really frank about what they're doing. And so when we fill this void unnaturally, you've actively disempowered the body. Because if you're underproducing a hormone, and then you've filled it in through external hormones, and this can be hormone replacement therapy, this can be birth control, right? Same hormone effect. When the body is getting it from outside, it's not ever going to have the impetus or the desire to start producing it inside because there's this constant ready flowing supply of the pharmaceutical day after day after day. Does that make sense? So when we find that, we say, wait a minute, that's not making me healthy. Oh my God, this is like the worst news ever. I hate this lecture. I'm going to leave. Please don't leave because I have good news. I promise, I have good news and I saved it till the end. <laughs> the thing is, remember what I told you the inherent thesis to natural hygiene and natural medicine was? That the body can heal itself. That the body can and will heal itself. It simply has to be given the time and space to do so. And so what is that time and space more than anything? Who can guess? Relaxation is definitely a part of it. Fasting. Yeah. Fasting is simply when the body heals faster. Period. The end. Because the body's given the time and space to be able to balance itself out. And we've seen this. In natural hygiene, we have a whole history of cures to the uncurable. Right? Western medicine doctors send them away, they come to us, send them on a one-month water fast, and leave whole, healed, full, balanced. Yeah. And so it's really that easy. I mean, I won't say this officially because it's all unofficial, but sometimes people come onto my fasting programs and they're taking certain medications, whether it's for high blood pressure or low blood pressure. You see, these are the same imbalances. Right? or whether it's for thyroid function or hormone replacement therapy, whatever it is, and they decide, you know what, I want to be empowered to stop taking this medication. I want to empower myself to take that power back from my doctor. I don't need this. Right? And I, I mean, legally, I don't take people off of medications. That's not my job. I told you, non-interventive, right? I don't deal with pharmaceuticals. But if someone decides on their own, 
by all means, while they're fasting, is the best time to start to get off of that medication. And so slowly weaning themselves off over a longer period of time, correlating with some kind of cleansing diet so that their body has more time and space to rebalance, perhaps even correlating with some kind of colon cleansing regime. Here at the yoga barn, we practice a very specific kind of colonics called Woods Method Colon Hydrotherapy. It's done in a series. A full series of colonics is 12 to 15. Right. And that's the kind of like change your life, give you the colon of a six-year-old, start to poop multiple times per day paradigm. That's the deep detoxifying paradigm. When we release the deep seat of the colon, it's called the cecum, this is where most of the toxins are stored, the body finally gets to dump. There are many correlations between toxicity held in the body and internal stress or parasites in the body. Big old correlation between parasites and thyroid disease. Because these things, be it toxins or parasites, they're causing you stress at a nervous system level day after day, day in, day out. And so when we can start to allow the body or empower the body to cleanse and relieve of those, it starts to balance and heal. So starting to slow down on your medication and perhaps you have a beautiful enough doctor who's willing to be an active participant in your healing rather than in your medicating. And they can help you through this. They're the ones who prescribed you and put you on the drugs in the first place. And the word drug has a quite a negative connotation, as it well should. Drug, drug, drug. Pharmaceuticals are drugs. Yeah, they're addictive. And they mess with you. They mess you up. There's very little difference from a pharmaceutical to a narcotic. So starting to stem down on the medication, and then when we're near the end, you know, going on a fasting program is one of the most empowering things that you can do for your body. Everything starts to balance out on its own naturally. And that's really the formula for success, to get up to the bar for health, get rid of that disease, so that then we can start to raise the bar on health together. All right. I've left, you know, three minutes for questions, which is pretty good for me. <laughs> we can have a little longer than that if anyone needs. Yeah? I'm interested um, about juice fasting versus water fast. Yeah. What's the difference there and worrying about, you know, people with low blood sugar that just kind of crash things like that. Yeah, totally. So the blood sugar um, and low blood sugar is definitely something that will balance itself out in fasting. Low blood pressure, however, is related and a different story because your blood pressure does gently drop anyway while fasting, so it's something to be aware of, especially when doing something like water fasting. Yeah? Um, there's a tremendous difference. For a, more of a complete answer, I would ask you to uh, check out my fasting lectures where I speak about it for an hour. Um, but in short, to, to validate and answer your question, a water fast is much more intense. The highs are much higher, the lows are much lower and the physiological symptoms will be much stronger. Yeah, you should expect to spend a lot of the day in bed on a water fast. Um, later on into the fast, you do regain this vitality, but in the readjusting period, I would say in the first 10 days to two weeks, um, it's quite, it's like your body's trying to figure out what's going on because it's getting nothing, it's getting no nutrition. And this is as opposed to a juice fast. 
where it is still getting nutrition. It's just not getting solid fibrous matter. And so this makes me define something which is very important, so I'm glad you asked. Fasting can be defined as not taking in solid fibrous matter for a certain period of time. When there's no fiber going into the system, the digestive system gets to slowly go to sleep, shut down, turn off over a period of three days. And then after that, it's like all fun and games almost. Right? Hit the highway running. And so um, juice fasting is something that simply wasn't possible 100, 200, 300 years ago uh, when my forefathers, my teachers, the natural hygienists were doing a lot of this fasting. And so it's something, I mean, this juice extractor, this modern machine, has absolutely revolutionized the world of fasting in, I think, a really incredible way. Yeah. If you're going to compare the healing, one day of water fasting is roughly equivalent to three days of juice fasting, yeah, because your body is still, is still processing things with juice. It doesn't get to shut off completely. Um, and... The fact is that we simply don't live really in a clean enough world to be as sensitive as we get when we're water fasting. And so, for example, I don't, I won't water fast in Bali. I wouldn't recommend that anyone would because we have DDT sprayed in the rice fields. We have stuff burned in the air all the time, plastic burning, right? We have stuff sprayed from mosquito. There's just so many, so many toxins here. The water itself is not clean enough. Natural mineral spring water, which is the kind of water that we're meant to be drinking anyway, normally, is what we need to be drinking on a water fast. And so this is simply not the environment, even though you guys might think this is paradise. Right? You really want to find somewhere out in the countryside where you have no wireless network anywhere in range. Yeah, think about that. Does that help to answer? Yeah, awesome. I saw someone waving back there. Question? Yeah, totally. Listen to my do-it-yourself fasting lecture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the answer to this question is an hour long. Okay. Um, and I give you all the parameters if there's anything that I don't give you and you still have questions after listening to that lecture. Just write me. There's this uh, flyer up here, guys, to a Facebook page. And I, don't, I haven't emphasized this enough since I started my podcast. I used to only emphasize this um, because I have my website and then I have this Facebook page. My website I update, I don't know, maybe every month. But this... Facebook page, I post on twice a day at least, every single day. And this is continuing ed education. This is stuff to keep you thinking about all these things and reading all the new scientific reports and the studies. So go ahead and you can come up and take a picture if you got one of the cards. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash cleanse with Andrea. It's the purple teeny little thing. I know you need a magnifying glass to read those. Um, I'm testing your eyes. It's a vision test. But uh, come and take a picture of that. And uh, I do answer all questions on there personally. That's the only way that the public can actually contact me is through this Facebook page. Um, and I do it to try to share your question with everyone. Because if you have it, likelihood is there a few other people who have it too. Um, so that's that. As for do-it-yourself fasting, fasting is like building a muscle. Yeah, so I started 15 years ago messing up horribly, doing crazy things, drinking bottled juices, eating macaroni and cheese to break my fast. I, I've made all the mistakes so that I can tell you how not to. Um, and so with that muscle, right, you start with skipping breakfast. And I don't mean skipping breakfast in a kind of anorexia 
way, I mean drinking water for breakfast, right? And then after that, once you feel safe and really what you're doing is proving to yourself that it's possible. It breaks my heart, but all the time I have clients who come in and they'll say to me, after the fast, after the week, I didn't think I could do it. Right? I thought I was going to quit on day three or cheat. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't. Like, we have that much fear and self-doubt. We have that much fear and self-doubt. You are more powerful than you could ever imagine. And so my invitation is to awaken to that power. Yeah. Believe in yourself. And fasting is one of the most powerful ways that you can do that. And so once you believe that you can do a half day, then you do a full day. You do it a few times until you feel comfortable. Then you do two days. You do three days. You continue to build incrementally until you feel safe. And that's what's most important. What's the best source of water here? <laughs> best source of water in Bali. I just tried out a new one, but it's not inspiring me. I'm drinking Balian. You can go to their website. It's said to be from Mount Ongung. Um, it's supposed to be fresh spring water. Before that, I was using Tirta Diksha. Um, we have not great choices in Bali. I add in trace mineral drops um, to the water. If anyone's interested in learning more about that, you can come talk to me or Michael. Um, that's to remineralize the water because a lot of the water, like what we have out here, is actually put through a process of reverse osmosis. And even though reverse osmosis is an incredibly efficient filtration technique, Unfortunately, it also filters out the minerals. And the minerals are required for the body to truly absorb the water and for it to do something in the body rather than just wash through. And so, um, yeah, come talk to me if you have questions about that. You are all beautiful, powerful, perhaps more than you could ever imagine. And so I challenge you to begin to discover your own power because it's there and it wants to roar. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vitality Podcast. Please click over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to spread this work with the world. You have a part in transforming humanity's health. Keep enjoying this free resource and make sure to give back by sharing, subscribing, and checking out all of Andrea's work at liveforvitality.com, where you can find links to Instagram and other social media. Andrea also gives astrology readings, holds online fasting retreats, and teaches detox courses and advanced yoga teacher trainings. So come to liveforvitality.com and let Andrea transform your life now.